Welcome to the Gridiron 4th and 1 podcast. Um, I am your stand-in host, Ashok, and with me today is another stand-in host, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I am definitely standing in and not Nardo. So um, this will be the one time I say it. We are not going to say real quick today. <laughs> Excellent. And, um, well, for those of you who can't see Nardo, or, jeez, ah, wow, I'm already forgetting the name, Andrew, uh, you're not in your usual house. If you want to inform the listenership, where are you right now? No, I am, you know, I heard Gibson uh, in our league was not going to be in Dallas. So I decided to come down for work and, um, you know, he's just not here. So, you know, we had to represent the big state of Texas. I know Zane's doing it from Houston, but I had to do it for uh, the big Dallas, Fort Worth area. Yeah, Excellent. Um, so for those of you who don't, uh, who aren't part of our league, we just drafted yesterday, um, um, started our transition to the sleeper app with some technical difficulties to be sure, as we couldn't figure out how to, um, nominate players, but afterward seemed like it went smoothly. Um, one thing before we get into draft strategies, Andrew, is the one thing I was looking at when I was going through players we had 82 people or 82 players accounted for before the draft, which I think was great, especially in an auction draft. We pretty much wrapped up everything in an hour and a half. I don't know if you had any thoughts about that um, versus a traditional auction draft. Yeah, no, I cannot imagine doing a full on auction draft where we don't have a good portion of the board already spoken for. But, you know, that kind of plays into strategy as well, which is a segue to our first topic because you know we we all had some players on our team some more than others and some you know higher ranked players were off the board leaving some you know disparity or um scarcity in you know the running back position or the wide receiver position versus what may normally be there so you know I'm, i'm curious if you looked at that at all when you were determining how you would draft yeah, definitely. Um, I think, well, I think everybody's strategy, especially in this league, is dictated by the players you have carrying over um, into this year. So, I, I think I, I like I liked the players coming in that I had. I basically had a top running back in Jonathan Taylor, the, a top tight end in Kyle Pitts, a solid, you know, middle tier, not middle, you know, like towards the top quarterback and Kyler Murray um, receiver is kind of where I was lacking. Cause I had to carry over Amari Cooper and things did not very go very well for him this off season. <laughs> um, so I think that was my, that initially was my strategy. I should say is I thought I was going to tar- target um, more receivers. Um, but then I was able to uh, keep like one of my receivers and I'm on Ross St. Brown, who I think will hopefully do well. And then I was able to trade for DK Metcalf and what other people do not like as a good trade for me, but um, I felt it was worth a chance um, on keeping it. And then, so then I figured, okay, I'll just kind of try to keep my team balanced um, in the draft. And the way it kind of felt to me is there were people I valued and, and those tended to be the running backs who are worth between like 10 and $15. So I have a lot of those and, I'm just kind of hoping one of them hits. Um, how about you? Because I know you came in with some big name players like Dalvin Cook, 
Adam Thielen, you have Stafford for a little money, but what was your kind of thought process going in? Yeah, so I was similar to you. I think wide receiver was a position of need. I was able to, you know, flip Dallas Godard as a keeper for, um, or as a franchise tag for um, A.J. Dillon, which really secured up my running back two position in my mind because between him and Chase Edmonds, uh, I thought that would be pretty solid for the full year, being both being the 1A or, well, as Matt LaFleur calls Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon the 1A, <laughs> but I'll call them a 1A and 1B in their backfield, uh, their respective backfields. So, um, you know, I thought I was okay at, you know, kind of that hero running back with Delvin Cook and then, you know, uh, high upside, high potential running back too. Like you said, I had Stafford. I was able to actually get Joe Burrow for $4. So I yeah. thought that was a steal. Um, but, you know, once, so last year I made a trade, um, Odell Beckham Jr. for Adam Thielen. And my thought process was get Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract off the books. But what I didn't consider at the time was I'm taking on Adam Thielen's contract, which I don't mind. I actually like Adam Thielen as a player, and I think he's going to have a good season. But we already covered I have Delvin Cook. And that's not a stack I typically like to do. So my goal for the draft was to kind of get away from that stack as much as possible where if the matchup wasn't ideal, I could not start Adam Thielen. Um, so, you know, Mike Williams was definitely a player I was targeting. I got him for like $30, so thought that was pretty good. I also wanted Cortland Sutton, but he started going for higher than I wanted to. And I also, in my draft the day before, picked both Mike Williams and Cortland Sutton. So I'm like, you know what, I should diversify a little bit more. Um, so I kind of took a took a right turn and was like, you know what, let's set up for future years a little bit while having some upside this year. And I went heavy rookie wide receivers with Drake London, uh, Jamison Williams and uh, Chris Olave, which, you know, that I, I think Olave is going to be really good. Cause you know, I mean, I think new Orleans think he's, thinks he's going to be really good because they traded enough draft capital to move up to get him. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I want to come back to the diversifying rookies thing, or I mean, sorry, like going heavy on rookies, especially in our league, but you mentioned the word diversify in your leagues and that made me smile because I do the exact same thing. I was like, cause I, in some other leagues, like, I, I mean, and this is also comes down to draft strategy. I, I try to vary the players that I'm picking in the other leagues. So that at least like generally when I'm watching a game, if something good happens, I I'm, Hopefully it, it impacts me um, positively in one league um, as opposed to some other times. I know like in a couple couple of years, I would just focus on these are the players I'm always going to get. And then everything else is on the margins. Um, so was that a conscious choice that you do th- this year to diversify your players or it just kind of happened? Yeah, I think I think a little bit. It's, it's a lot easier in an auction draft too because you get to bid on everybody um, versus a snake draft where if you're drafting, you're kind of going to lean towards the same players i think um you know there's people in certain rounds where you just kind of naturally gravitate towards them and think they're the best option and best value um but in an auction draft you know you can go any which way and i i like diversifying just because you know you don't have all your eggs in one basket and you know if if i had mike williams and court and sudden they're great that's great but if i have them in both leagues and one of them doesn't live up to expectations or even worse, they both don't live up to expectations, then 
both my legs are dead. Yeah, exactly. And then going back to what you were saying about you went heavy on rookie wide receivers. Obviously the positive in our league is you can lock them up for three years at a time. I don't know if you're doing all three years or kind of varying that with those rookie receivers. However, the downside, and this is something like I heard from a, like one of the podcasts I listened to, and it actually makes a lot of sense. They're, they said, you know, the last pick or last two picks should be people you are willing to drop right away. And because it gives you that flexibility, because <laughs> I think initially, like, obviously it's good to have, like, especially if like, even if just one out of the three hits and becomes like the next you know, not the next Justin Jefferson, but it's essentially equivalent. Like in Drake London, uh, James Williams, and Olave, like that's going to be insane value for you going forward. But you do trade that flexibility in kind of making in-season roster adjustments. So I guess, is that another thing that, because that was something I thought about, um, because I definitely was looking at all these rookie wide receivers, I think like all of us did. And I was like, I actually made the decision. I was like, I really just want one of them because I only want to lock in one and sure it may not be a, you know, that I, I lose that chance of having the other guys blow up, but I was like, I figured I could use some of that flexibility. So I don't know if that was a thought process. That, or yeah. You thought so I, I think we actually listened to the same podcast um, with Jamison Williams specifically. I think that yeah. podcast recommends, um, you know, taking an IR player, and just putting him on there immediately. And then you have a free pickup. And I think uh, Jameson Williams is going to be out for at least four weeks, probably closer to, you know, half the season. So, um, got him for $2. If I drop him, I drop him, but, um, probably won't drop him. Um, the other thing is, and you know, I, I have this debate. It depends on how much you get someone for, but I don't know if it's usually worth keeping someone for three years. Um, if you think about it, you're paying a $10 premium on that player in year three. And I know you can front load that and make it look a little bit better, but I think the optimal contract is one year or two years because you, you get the value for the $5 keep, but it's very rare that someone's going to be worth $10 more two years later. So if you yes. have a player for $25, Adam Thielen, um, or $20 in year one by year three is worth $30. And he might've paid off in year one might pay off in year two, but by year three, just wait on your book. Yeah. I actually, I very much agree with that. Uh, and I think it definitely the worst contracts in our league in the <laughs> history, maybe not like currently this year are definitely the three years where, like initially implemented, I was, I was just kind of looking through the, um, spreadsheet. I mean, like some of them, like in like, even if like the players are good and might be worth, like, I, I think you're right. Like looking at like some of these players, like some of them are good. Actually, a lot of them are like Stefan Diggs in 2023 is going to cost 58 bucks, which is higher than he would go for, but you know, he's still a quality player. Terry McLaurin, how much is he? 41, I think. Yeah, 41 this year, 46 next year. I got Kyler Murray for 18 next year. Um, Austin has T. Higgins on a downward contract, so that's kind of nice. I think he gets him for – yeah, he has – oh, no, it's up. So he's up for 14. I don't, we don't need to go through everything. 
But yeah, I agree. Like that third year, um, it's really only like, it's really only Nardo with Justin Jefferson, I would say. And even that came as a double-edged sword because DK Metcalf was good and is still good, but his quarterback changed. So he's not like to Nardo. He wasn't worth the $22 uh, that he was going to pay him. Um, So yeah, I think that's, Oh, good. No, no. Finish your thought. Yeah. I was just saying, I think like, but that's what makes this league quite interesting. Um, Like, I think there's there's many different ways to attack it, and you just kind of have to get lucky. Um, you know, like even Kieran, who has bad contracts with like Terrence Marshall, Terrence Marshall and Corey Davis, because he got Debo for so cheap, it basically negates those bad contracts. And uh, you know, right or Austin with uh, Cam Akers versus Clyde Edwards Hilaire at I yes. think Akers is six bucks and Ceh is sixty. So you know, together yeah. they probably average each other out a little bit. So exactly. it helps um, to answer your question. Cause I don't think I did, but um, our league is also a little different because, you know, we have this free agent budget, but we can use that all on our draft if we want to. So, um, you know, this is one of the things we're going to talk about, but there's some strategy involved with how much you keep and what the right amount is. Um, but in my mind, having flexibility on your bench helps versus um, that strategy of, you know, having players where you're going to find out about them right away and being able to drop them. Well, we don't have the luxury of, you know, a hundred dollars of fab um, yeah. to, to go with every year. You know, I think we're both sitting around 30 right now, but you know, there's TJ who's has like $2. So there's, you know, some strategy with the fab as well. But um, my viewpoint was if I have enough on my bench, I can survive the whole season and maybe I can offer longer term contracts and um, I can, you know, front load them with some of that fab I have left over. Yeah. Was there like a certain range of, um, sorry. And just for everybody listening, we have $250 to start off the draft and that go, or the, you know, the keepers, the, um, what's it called? Not free agent. Yeah. Restricted free agents and the franchise tag goes in. Then we have the draft. Um, but all that money is for the entire season. And so pickups ads and well, ads cost $1 throughout the season. Um, so if you need a backup quarterback for a week, that costs a buck. Um, and so part of the strategy is we need to, um, leave some money left over, and it kind of ranges. So at the low end, as we mentioned, TJ has two dollars, and at the high end, Gibson has forty-six. So Andrew, was there like a specific like range you were kind of looking to have end the draft in? You know, I was probably looking in the twenty to thirty dollar range, and I think I ended up with like thirty-one. So I was right in that range, and I'm I'm happy there because you know I could take five or $10 and front load a contract. And then I don't have much signed in future years, so I can back load a couple more. Um, yeah. So kind of exactly. worked out yeah. well. Yeah. I think I was, ex- I was, think I was pretty much the exact same way. Um, Cause I obviously I'd rather, I just rather have the, sh- well, not sure thing, but I'd rather have a player I know I have right now than a future potential player. Cause right. they rarely, I mean, there's always like one a year, I think, and actually, like I think it was maybe James Robinson two years ago, and then Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, and but 
you never know. And so you'd rather just have a, you know, like you said, just some decent running backs or receivers on your bench uh, to mix and match after that. Um, uh, yeah, well, let's get into our next topic, which was just specific targets. Like you mentioned, you were looking at Sutton. Uh, you were looking at the re- the rookie receivers. Were there, was there anybody else that you were looking to get and um, just weren't able to or um, if, conversely? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, if things fell the right way, um, I would have wanted, you know, Cooper Cup or any really values that were out there um, at the wide receiver position specifically. But, you know, if someone fell to me at running back for a cheap enough contract, I would have taken him. Um, I, I'm actually really high on Ramondre Stevenson this year. I got him mm. for, I think like $15, something like that. Maybe less. Yeah. Um, $10. No, you got him even for 10. Yeah, even, even better. Um, I, I know, um, Damian Harris is in his last year of the contract and he scored 14 touchdowns last year. So he's probably going to regress in that spot. And Ty Montgomery, who, um, was supposed to be their pass catching running back is injured. So, that's going to fall a lot more on Ramondre. And I, I think that's going to work out well for him in the long run. And I, I think yeah. um, the Patriots are going to have to dink and dunk their way down the field because I don't think um, that offense with the changes they've made are going to be that great um, since they had to revamp their offense with uh, McDaniels leaving. Yeah. And I mean, I was telling some other people this, like in Belichick we trust, but having two offensive coordinators and both of them being Matt Patricia and Joe Judge is just does not, not neither great. of them. Yeah, like right. If I'm right, Patricia was the defensive coordinator. Judge was the special teams coordinator. Correct. Yep. And now they're just calling an offense somehow. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then for me, like I made it wasn't really necessarily like specific players. I just felt I needed um, specifically because I have Josh Jacobs and Amari Cooper on my team. I needed like explosive players, so like basically the Deshaun Jackson archetype who could go for like you know 180 yards and three touchdowns, but then the next. Uh, week go for like two for 22. Yep. Uh, and you're going to have some boom bust. And so, cause I have Jonathan Taylor. I had, um, yeah, Jacobs and Pitts, And then like, I'm on Ross St. Brown who will be fine. I just figured I would try to go for like basically players who are fast and potentially can do like home run hitting. So like Antonio Gibson, Rashad Penny, Cordero Patterson, Kadarius, Tony, who's like the new Deshaun Jackson, because he put up like 80% of his points in one game last year or something like that. Well, he only uh, finished one game last year, I think. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, he was either injured or fighting people. So, But I don't know. That was kind of the strategy I was going for. and Because I was like, if they're injured, I don't have to worry about them. I think like one of the most like frustrating people is like the people who just fight through injury. Actually, like, well, Amari Cooper is kind of one of them, and Ezekiel Elliott, maybe. Because they're always going to play but they're always yep. just hurt enough and it's always frustrating that you're just like always like you can't bench them. And, right. and so I'd, ra- I'd rather just have that clarity. It's like, all right, this guy's out. Don't have to worry about it. On to the next guy. Yep. I, 
I know it's uh, it was painful for you, but I saw you took Julio Jones. I, I know last year he didn't quite work out the way you wanted him to, but oh, yeah. you know maybe that Tom Brady magic will happen. Um, actually, really curious to see if Nardo and uh, Rishi double down on their bets since they still haven't even gotten that lunch, and maybe they want to you know double down, make a dinner <laughs> if <laughs> Tom Brady goes over under on whatever the uh, touchdown counter is this year. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I, I, I figured I was like cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Nardo and Rishi, if you're listening, you can think about the du- doubling down. I'll, I'll see what the over under is. Maybe we can figure that out. Uh, but yeah, but I figure Julio, like I was talking about like one of those players that like you're okay dropping. He definitely yep. is one for me. I was like, eh, things aren't working out, you know, and especially if Godwin gets back to normal. I was like, I'm fine dropping him. Um, all right. Any surprises? In the draft, I actually have a like I have a few or a couple I should say, but I'll let you go first, either high yeah. or low. So my my biggest surprise was TJ basically ending their draft with like seven players still on the board um, or still needing to fill and getting uh, Cooper Cup for fifty six dollars, and you know that really killed their running back two spot. And you know that was such a surprise. I mean Cooper Cup. Obviously, either one or two, depending on most people's rankings, behind yeah. Jefferson or right in front of him. But like they already had Jalen Waddle, they had Elijah uh, Moore, they have Terry McLaurin, they had a lot of wide receiver capital, and yet they spent a lot of money on Cooper Cup when they still needed a second running back. Yeah, I mean, right. Granted, far be from us to question the defending champs on their strategy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. You never know. Like, I mean, I guess just, I mean, with, I'm assuming their receivers will be Cup, Moore, and McLaurin, or Cup, McLaurin, and Jalen Waddle. Not sure. But I mean, yeah, I, I guess I, mean, I, wouldn't they, sell, I wouldn't sell Brandon Cooks there either. I mean, he's, he's consistently yeah. put up wide receiver like 15 numbers every year, wide receiver 20 numbers. So, yeah, production. yeah, and then so I, I guess they just really need to kind of figure out who they're running back to. I mean, if Kenneth Gainwell or I guess Algier might be the best shot as like a as the Falcons running back. Yeah, or if James Robinson is actually healthier than we all think he is, and he yeah. gets twelve carries. I mean, that I, might I mean, be it. He had an Achilles, right? If I'm wrong, yeah. not an ACL. Yeah, I mean, I. That seems tough. That's like, this is, I mean, we'll see. And especially what ETN and everybody loves, like the sleeper. Um, right. But I mean, you know, we'll see. That, that's the beautiful thing about fantasy is we all yeah. can look good right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then the other surprise I had, not to uh, cut you off, but I don't, I don't know if this should surprise me at this point, but. Rishi pulled his re- usual Rishi stuff and he's <laughs> got four defenses on his team. And yeah, like, I just don't understand it. Like if he's trying to just take all the good defenses so nobody else can have them, that's great. But like, we'll just start a different defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I really, I, like I granted, I mean the rest of his team is solid. Like I really know quibbles with it, maybe minus Robert Woods, but 
um, as like a rece- starting receiver, but you know he can easily drop one of those defenses and get another one. Um, well, right, but like at the same time, his bench is three defenses, two running backs, and Calvin Ridley, who's suspended for the full year. So yeah, he has no he wide have- receiver depth and no quarterback yeah. depth, so he's just going to have to drop these defenses at some point. That is true. Yeah, I. Yeah, nah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, it's just more of a perplexing choice as opposed to like, wow, that was awful. Because like, I mean, yeah. right now, like he can survive at least the first, unless there's injuries then, but I think he should be fine for now. Right. Um, the, okay. What about you? Uh, yeah, so my surprise is, I guess this shouldn't, like similar to what you just said, I don't think this should be a surprise, but just that, rookies go for so much more than I think they're worth. Like we have, especially Brees Hall and Damian Pierce, yep. two running backs who are not going to be on great offenses. They, they went for steep, steep amounts. I think like, I want to say 36 and tw- or 36 and 26, I believe. Let me see. 27 for Damian Pierce. And I forget what, let's see, where is he? Brees Hall, I think, was 30. Yeah, he was definitely... 31. 31. I mean, that is steep to me. Um, And then, like, the rookie receivers, um, like, Romeo Dobbs going for, um, I think it was, like, six bucks, which is way more. Pickens, obviously, I mean, the hype was all over. Um, And not going to lie, I was buying into it, so I would have, I would definitely would have paid up for him, but then... I'm still reeling from my Chase Claypool uh, issue last. Well, it wasn't a bad contract, but it was just like one of those guys. You're like, I can see he's good. He just never catches the ball. And so, right, yeah. Uh, I tried to stay away from Pittsburgh's receiver corpse with uh, Mitchell Trubisky and their terrible O line. I think yeah. that works out well for Najee Harris because I think there's going to be a lot of dump offs. But I don't like any of their receivers, including Firemuth. Yeah, he went for a lot. Um, yeah. And then the other, well, the other thing, speaking of tight ends, I think like once people realized there weren't a lot of good tight ends left, the fact that Cole Komet, who's probably the last good tight end, went for $11. To me. <laughs> when like, and then just like, look, I was just looking through it. I was like, Darren Waller went for 14 Yep. And I was like, you know, that I think that's like just speaks to us all recognizing the massive drop off that was about to come off, come on with tight ends. Um, and you get, yeah. you know, you got to snag the last good one. Cause I mean, that's an issue. So honestly, I would have been okay letting him go, but I saw I had a good amount of money left at that point. So I'm just yeah. like, I'm just going to spend the money cause I like him. And that way I don't have to wonder if that Jacoby Brissett, uh, David and Joku connection is actually going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, and like I think also with our league being having no um, uh, flex spot right now. Yep. I mean, it's weird to like like not weird to say this, but like Gibson was like very prescient in like having good tight ends because the difference between having like a reliable tight end, you know, like Kelsey, uh, Andrews, Pitts, uh, Kittle. And then hopefully the next year ascending with like 
Waller and Komet and like, um, I don't know, maybe Irv Smith or, or Fryermuth, I should say. Um, he's just huge. And then like, like Nardo is like one of the best teams, but he has Albert O, the Denver tight end, yep. who was supposed to get replaced by the backup tight end like, until that guy got injured, Greg Dolchich. And like, that's actually a huge drain if this guy, like, it's just like a constant, like less than five points a week from that position. So I think like it's it's even more incumbent that you have a good tight end. Cause I think like I think like tight ends and running backs in our league, excuse me. Cause I think there's just such an abundance of receivers, you can find it. Um and I, I don't at least that's what I that's kind of what I was thinking. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, I mean I I see it a couple of different ways. Um, you know, we talked about that free agent uh, acquisition budget before. Mm-hmm. And if you have one of those top tight ends, you don't have to be searching the waiver wire for the next tight end that might be able to help you. Cause this guy gave you four points this week. Um, yes. Or you're not hoping for, okay, give me one catch for six yards and a touchdown from that tight end. Um, Cause I, I know I've been in the situation where I've been hoping for that before. Um, so it's nice to have a top end tight end. Um, I just said end tight end. Okay. Um, um, so, you know, I, the other aspect of that is if you spend a couple dollars on someone like Cole Komet, who should have gone for less, but was getting bid up. Um, the, the theory there is if you find the next Mark Andrews or the next, uh, Kyle Pitts or the next um, Travis Kelsey, you're going to be set up for that year. You know, if you if you find those guys, you're you're golden because you have a positional advantage theoretically at other um, at other positions, right? Your your wide receiver room is going to be better because you spent more money there, or your running back room is going to be better because you spent more money there um, and you got lucky with your tight end. So I, I see it both ways. Um, my thing is, and, you know, like we mentioned before, we probably listened to the same podcast, but they really talked up this tight end and talked up the 93 targets and zero touchdowns last year that Cole Komet had. And yeah. he's due for some touchdown progression. And honestly, who else is going to catch balls for uh, the Chicago Bears? We we all know uh, that it's going to be Mooney he- and uh, who? Go ahead. I believe Brian I believe Pringle. the answer I believe the answer you're about to say was rookie of the year, Valus Jones Jr. Yep, twenty five or twenty six year old rookie of the year. Hey, he's <laughs> he's it. hitting he's entering the Bears right in his athletic prime. That's what we want. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, to be fair, that's he looked, he looked good returning punts. He looked good returning punts in the preseason. So he's he's got skill. I'll give him that. I'm 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 definitely less like angry at the Bears front office as I was like before, especially after we got like Leatherwood, the uh, yeah. that Ra- Raiders tackle, which I think is like perfect. A first round Alabama offensive lineman. Yes. Just yeah. like, even if he's not like the, the best, like he's worth a flyer and he's definitely yep. better than whoever we have right now. So. Yep. Uh, or better than anything that, uh, what's his name? Ryan Pace pulled in for him. Yeah. yeah. Awful, awful, awful. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Um, uh, just a quick aside. I think the Bears over-under is uh, six and a half. What would you take? 
Uh, I think I've looked at the schedule, and unless Justin Fields and that offense really surprises us, I'm going under. I think we're going to win like four games, four or five games. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I actually go the other way. I mean, not like super optimistic, but I think we can hit seven just because I think there will just be a natural uplifting of everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's just like a different atmosphere and – because Eberflus is a defensive coach, I think like he'll be able to cobble together a decent enough defense. You know, we'll be able to like figure it out, uh, especially yeah. since our top two picks were on it too. So, yeah, I can see that. Um, I can also see us losing a lot of close games, kind of like the Lions did last year. You know, they they were in a lot of games, but um, if it was close, they lost. So, I see us. Yeah taking a stride forward, but at the same time, not being better than our competition, which, you know, the Packers twice, the Vikings twice. It's, it's I mean, gonna, the Lions twice. <laughs> yeah, but they could be good too. I mean, not to get hard knocks uh, hyped up too much, but, you know, I do like Dan Campbell. I think he's doing a good job there. I oh, think yeah. uh, Swift is a great running back and really could be a top five running back this year in fantasy. And then, you know, I think um, Amon Ross St. Brown and once Jamison Williams comes back, I think they've got some really good value on the outside. And, yeah. you know, it's just a matter of how much golf, how, how good golf can be, which he did lead a team to the Super Bowl. I mean, I know the yeah. defense kind of did, but. I know. Leading is a, a very loose, loose <laughs> word. <laughs> but, yes, he, he was there. He was there. He was the quarterback for the Rams. Uh, oh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Though actually, you mentioned Hard Knocks. This is my first year watching it, and I was like, "This!" I was like, "I can't believe I never got into this. Show, or <laughs> I never even bothered to give it a try." This is awesome. Uh, interestingly enough, it actually made me think less of DeAndre Swift because every time they're like, "Deuce Staley is telling him, no, you have to hit the hole. You can't bounce outside all the time." <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, he why why isn't he doing that?" I'm worried. Yeah. So, but you know, if someone's going to correct that, it's Deuce Staley who had a decent career in the nfl you know it's just decent yes very much so so yeah um final thing before ashok's big question of the day it will be uh just simply uh best pick worst pick of the draft that you thought we'll start best we'll start positive all right you go first because i have to look at this actually uh yes oh great well maybe i should look at this too uh, I mean, the news came out today that Brian Robinson, uh, the Washington running back who was shot, uh, is, you know, kind of healing well. So that could be a steal for Kieran at $3. Um, I think A.J. Brown at $31 was a steal. In hindsight, I wish I bet on him more. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's Kareem Hunt. Because, like, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure Kareem Hunt finished in, like, the top 24 of running backs last year. And going for $4. Sorry, I think I really, I mean, I'm just kind of going through the list. Um, and, like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, who was a uh, keeper versus. Yeah that, yeah, that that was the biggest thing. I was like, who played? Um, yeah. 
you know, and I mean, any of like those low range uh, running backs that like people got for like a buck or two bucks, like I think are just solid, solid values. Yeah. You know, actually, I, I just came across this name and you mentioned it earlier, but Rishi hit a steal with Darren Waller at $14. Um, yeah, that is true. Like thinking about it, like he's like, he's in the top tier of tight ends and like, you know, Kelsey went for 50. I paid 30 over 30 for Pitts. Andrews is in the twenties. George Kittle is in the twenties. Yeah. Waller going for 14 is a steal. Yeah. My, my one fear with Waller is you have Devontae Adams now and you got to feed the beast. So how many targets are there to really go around between Waller, Adams, and um, Hunter Renfro's there too? And, you know, from everything I hear, Hunter Renfro's hard to cover. So, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yes. I, I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback, but I don't know if he can elevate the touchdown game to the point where all of those guys are, you know, firing on all cylinders and doing what their names say they yeah. should be doing. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And then I guess the other, I guess, actually I, I did write this down and I just didn't, I couldn't figure out how much they cost. Uh, Alan Lazard for $9, I think is just excellent, excellent value. Uh, like, you know, it, it's right. He's the number one receiver on with the back-to-back MVP. That's got to mean something. And he already has chemistry with him. So I, I, I would think he's like an excellent steal. And to that end, Amar has my second favorite pick, Miles Sanders, $4. Uh, you mentioned Cole Komet, t- touchdown progression. Same thing with Miles Sanders. I think he had zero last year. So you would think he's maybe just gets like five, and that's going to be much, much better. So I, I see that. But at the same time, I don't see it because when the Eagles get in the red zone, do they run the ball with Miles Sanders? No, they design a run for Jalen Hurts and he goes in. So um, I I think their running back in the end zone is really their quarterback. And I think they might lean on Gainwell, which I guess that's what TJ's going for. Or, um, you know, I, I think they really like Boston Scott. And then to complicate things even further, they go and sign Trey Sermon off of waivers. So, you know, that's a crowded backfield. So I just don't know how that's going to be. I'm, I'm not very big on Miles Sanders this year. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I think that's reasonable. But at the very least, right, just like with Alan Lazard, he's the number one, number one running back on a seemingly good offense, you know, relatively good offense. Um, all right. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100% with Lazard. I think he's going to have a great year. I My only concern is, you know, you don't have a quality. You don't have Devontae Adams there anymore. So yeah. when the ones and the double teams are going to Lazard, is he really going to be as productive as people think he's going to be, even though he's Aaron Rodgers' number one? I don't know. But, we'll find out. Yeah. But the thing is, I don't think people are thinking he's going to be very productive because that's why he's going for like $9, uh, you know, yeah. in an auction league um, with, you know, Packers fans in it too. So um, do you have a pick for worst pick? Because I definitely do off the top of my head or off after looking. 
Yeah, so I, I said it before, but I think Cooper Cup was a bad pick uh, for TJ just because it killed all the flexibility he had. And I honestly think he was just bidding up and he didn't really want it. Uh, didn't really want yeah. Cooper Cup. I think he was just bidding him up to the price to kind of price and force, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, one person that we haven't said yet, well, actually we have um, with your rookie conversation, but I think, um, where to go? Damian Pierce. I think... This is a guy who the hype, you know, it's real. He beat out Marlon Mack for, um, for the role, but he's still the Houston Texans running back. And the Houston Texans are most likely going to get behind, and then they're going to bring in Rex Burkhead and throw the ball to Rex Burkhead. So, yeah. you know, the situ- like he could be great, but the situation is not great. And therefore, I... I actually helped bid him up um, to Nooney. Um, you're welcome. Um, you know, maybe he'll prove me wrong and have a great season and I'll be, you know, <laughs> very annoyed yeah. that I don't have him. But I, I think that was a bad pick at $27. Yeah, conversely, I think I have, I have, um, I have the other rookie running back as my worst pick. Um, there's just something about the New York Jets. I'm just like, they're just off. Like I just like think about them. I'm like, all right, they're that's just an awful franchise with <laughs> awful players, and like right, they're looking at Joe Flacco to be like, uh, like the backup. And what's worse is is that Joe Flacco might actually be, um, like better than Zach Wilson. Yeah, like, and, be, and I think uh, it just bodes does not bode well. Plus. <laughs> There's an outside chance. I don't know if this is true or not. Michael Carter was good last year, and he still yep. potentially might be the starter because yep. I think the one thing that we never know with like rookie running backs is how well they can like do pass protection. Um, and so, like, if let's say Brees Hall starts, if he misses a block, he's at, he's going to be gone for a few games, and you're just never going to see him again. And like over thirty dollars with a like a crappy offense and un in even an unsure like playing situation. At least Damien Pierce, they cut Marlon Mack. You know he's not coming in. Sure, Rex right. Burkhead. But at least like he has the work. Like he might not be the predominant running back on his team. Probably later on in the year, but at least in the beginning, I, I don't like that. I don't like that that paying that much for Brees Hall. Um, I, I agree with that. And I think Michael Carter is also the pass catcher. So again, Joe Flacco is oh. your quarterback. They're probably going to be behind. Is yeah. Bruce Hall going to be on the field? I don't know. He might not be. So, and to get him at $31, it's not even like you can, I mean, you can, but I wouldn't want to front load a contract for him at $36 and have him at 31 next year. Um, yeah. You know, he might be drafted at, that price next year, but I don't know if he's worth, you know, signing him to a multi-year deal at that price. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Final question. This is based <laughs> off a of conversation. This is not related to football for everybody. Um, uh, this is related to a conversation I had earlier today. Uh, everybody's heard the term big dick energy. Um, and however, so, I guess I'll define what I think it is. It's essentially just a, just a funny way to say guy has confidence. 
Um, however, for me, I always interpreted it as a positive connotation. You know, it's you're confident, uh, self-assured, um, I don't know, other positive traits as opposed to cocky, arrogant, um, and other words which are the opposite side of the coin, opposite side of the coin, and just a negative connotation. Um, so I wanted to uh, pose the question to you, Andrew, and uh, maybe we can put like a poll on this later on. Uh, <laughs> is big, does big dig energy, nest, is, is it always a positive thing? So I have also only heard it in a positive context. And to me, it's like you're just exuding confidence and good vibes. Um, you know, those other words that you said, those are the words for the opposite of it. Like you're cocky, you're arrogant. Um, it's not, to me, it's not a thing where, um, you know, big dick energy is a bad thing. Um, Lizzo sure doesn't think of it that way. Um, you know, all her songs talk about big dick energy a lot. Um, (laughs) and, um, no, I mean, I, I've, I've only heard it in the positive connotation. I've never heard of it being um, said as a bad thing. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, yeah, that's what I figured. But, you know, I was like, well, you know, different terms, different words mean things, different things to people. And, you know, different people use them in different contexts. And, you know, I'll throw it out to our listenership, which uh, might be back to the 12 league members and, you know, probably only like four of them at this point, but, you know, um, give us your thoughts on whether you think big dick energy is solely a positive term. Um, otherwise that's about it. Um, we just kind of wanted to do, um, kind of a post-draft analysis. Um, you know, I'm sure we're going to get like Commissioner power rankings, um, the, what's it called? What do we do? The predictions, predictions, predictions yep. weekly predictions coming soon. Um, and above all, football's coming tomorrow. Well, we I don't know when you guys football. will listen to this. <laughs> yeah, and a bomb-ass game. It's going to be at Rams, Bills, and Joshy Allen. It'll be, it'll be good. So. Yep, looking forward to it. We've got real football tomorrow. Um you know, by the time this gets posted, it will probably you guys will probably know the sto- scores. So um, <laughs> that's okay. But we've got a full day, a full weekend of football with Sunday and Monday nights, and it's going to be good. We we finally get the you know that whole off season builds towards our draft, and then you know the fun begins to see if all the players we thought were good are actually terrible or not. Yes, yes, indeed. All right. Um, anything else we forgot, Andrew? I don't think so. Um, I don't know if our regular co-hosts will be back or not next week. I probably will not be. I don't know about you. But, um, you know, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Glad to give Rishi and Nardo a break. Um, And we'll let Rishi take us to the outro music. See you, everybody. Mm -hmm.